0: Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTB. This week, we have an interview with COTB missionary Caitlin Damer, as well as a short message from Pastor Abe Lee. Good morning again. Um, some of you uh, may not know this, uh, especially if this is her first time visiting us today. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I, Suzette, we are in the process of transitioning to San Francisco to take care of her parents. And uh, I know I've said this a few times for folks, so I apologize if you're hearing it again. Um, but this is my last month here. But as part of my goodbye to Chicago, uh, we're doing a very short sermon series just for the month. Uh, on our values here at Church of the Beloved. Specifically, a few of the values um, that uh, here at Beloved that drew me and my wife, Suzette so deeply in. These are values that I really want to focus on, emphasize, and I hope will continue to be a priority for the beloved of God because of Christ alone. Um, we want these to be a priority so that this church might persevere, that this church might grow in its faithfulness, that this church might grow in its desire to draw near to God. And last week, uh, the message focused on our vision, our vision as a church. You know, our vision as a church is to be a church of disciples making disciples. And if you didn't see it, Evelyn made this amazingly hyped video for us. Uh, she's not here, so she can't even get credit for it. She's with the kids right now. But I wanted to show it again, but I thought, you know what? It's online now. You can watch it over and over again. There's a scene where Eugene is just looking so funny, hi, <laughs> saying hi. It's on our YouTube channel. Enjoy that there. But our vision, Disciples Making Disciples, it basically means that we want to be a church that doesn't just keep the music of redemption, the gospel heartbeat of God to ourselves. We want to be a church that does not live like we're in a silent disco. We want, to, we want the whole world to hear the music of redemption from us. We want them to hear it with us. And this is what we want to prioritize at Church of the Beloved. And and because it's a priority for us as a church, everything we do as a church from our audiovisual ministry to our women's ministry, every single thing that we do as a ministry at Church of the Blood is going to consider how we encourage and how we can enable each other to be disciples and to make disciples. Formally and informally, everything we do. This is all so that we might together grow in our faith. Through our community. Now, before we get into today's topic, uh, and, and I call some people on stage, I want to repeat the challenge I made to everyone last week. So last week I asked uh, everyone to find someone and to disciple, and find someone to disciple you, to go. And to say to that person, uh, to say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not just imitate me, but imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or say, I want to imitate you as you imitate Christ. Because Church of the Beloved wants to be a church of disciples making disciples. And the only way to start being that is to start being that. Now, I, I, and I'm repeating it because... I know that there are nuances to this challenge, because ultimately making sweeping generalizations is problematic, because it does not include, it does not consider the trauma that individuals may have experienced, that you may have experienced, your personal circumstances that you might need to think through before being discipled or discipling someone. Or or you just might have some real, some questions that you wanna ask. Before you dive into this challenge, not that you don't want to, but you just have questions. We want to be disciples making disciples, but we do not want to ignore the variety of needs of the individuals in this process here at Church of the Beloved. So, as you consider this, I want you to go ahead, talk to me. Talk to Derek or Michael. Talk to staff like Yuji or Opal. Talk to us. If you're not sure how to do it, but I'm going to encourage you to be disciples making disciples. But today, the highlight, uh, value I want to highlight is, is this. What does it mean for us as a church to prioritize missions and to prioritize being missional, missional living? Because we as a church, as a local embassy of heaven, we are called to not limit ourselves. We are called to not, we are not bought by the blood of Christ to just focus on making disciples in Chicago. We want to go and we want to make disciples wherever God is calling us to do that. So at this point, I'm going to ask Caitlin and Yuji if the two of them can make their way onto stage. That would be wonderful. Uh, Caitlin is a covenant member here at Church of the Beloved. Caitlin is currently serving an unreached people group in the mountains of Mexico, but I'm going to let her share her story. Now, originally, Caitlin, I hope you don't mind, I was going to walk off stage, but steps are challenging. So I'm just going to stare at your back from over there. And I'm just gonna ask y'all to turn off my microphone and hand it over to the two of you, and I'm gonna hand this to you. All
1: right, thanks, P.A. Good morning, everyone, I'm Yuji, and this is Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin, tell us a little about yourself. How long um, have you been in Chicago before you went to Mexico? How you came upon the Tawahumara people? Like, how did that start? Like, where did this connection come from?
2: Yeah, um, I'm Caitlin. For those of you that don't know um i moved to chicago 2015 actually started attending beloved in 2017 i think um and um yeah so originally back in college i just you know kind of when you're trying to figure out your life and what you're going to do for a major and a career and all that kind of stuff i um definitely felt you know like I'm a midwife, for those of you that don't um, know. But um, and so I was going through nursing school and just really learning and understanding, you know, how I can serve God and love God and love His people through that career in my life. And so I knew, you know, that I would always want to use my career as a service towards God. Um, but I also saw, you know, like there's a huge need um, for that outside of the U.S. as well. So, um, so I thought, you know, sometime in my life that I would love to work outside of the U.S. um, in some sort of mission capacity. Um, But I didn't know exactly what that would look like. Um, When I um, graduated from midwifery school, um, then I um, was required to work in the U.S. for three years for a scholarship. So I worked at Lawndale Christian Health Center in Chicago here. So that's what brought me to Chicago. Um, But I I love that place, too. It's a mission in itself. But... um, after the three years, I was like, "Oh, I can start looking abroad if I want to." But it's kind of a long story. But that you know, the, God's timing is is very sovereign because that He very much closed the door into 2018, um, and then um, later on um, showed me this this opening in in Mexico. Um, so I I took perspectives, which is a missional class that I recommend any of you that is in Chicago too, um, and um, And, yeah, so basically these doors opened for, um, they needed a midwife. They didn't have any midwives or OB anything in Mexico in this hospital. And it's an unreached people group. And so I was, it was very much um, what I was passionate about and and, um, excited to do. So, yeah, that's how I ended up there.
1: (laughs) Uh, Very cool. Tell, Tell everybody a little bit about the Tarahumar people, because I think the context that you're in is just wild. You guys get on her newsletter if you're not on it. I read this monthly, and a lot of times I'm in tears, (laughs) and I'm just like, God be with Caitlin, because it just sounds like such an adventure. Tell us about the people, tell us about your day-to-day, because I don't think any of us could really understand truly, but explain to us what that's like.
2: Yeah, so the Tarahumara people, uh, they are an indigenous population in Mexico, Um, so they're like a a tribal group. Um, The language is not Spanish or anything related to Spanish, um, and they live in the mountains um, in um, in the state of Chihuahua, is where I am. Um, and so, um, yeah, they're I mean, the very poor indigenous exploitative group throughout generations, right? And so um, it's and they're also very traditional. So they all still wear the traditional skirts and you know all that kind of the dress and everything. But um, their rates of maternal and infant mortality are are crazy um, like one of the highest in the world Um, and so um, that's why it was you know extra just confirming that I was like okay this is where it's got having having me go Um, but um, but yeah my day-to-day is I work at a mission hospital uh, in in the mountains there Um, it's very small um, up in the mountains like five hours from the capital Uh, and I have um, like a clinic, like kind of like outpatient like prenatal visits um, twice a week, and then I um, am on call basically the rest of the time um, for any births that come in, uh, and then um, I also do work some in the community as well. We have a mobile clinic that goes out to the community uh, a little more than once a week, and so I'll help out with that, or um, I actually recently did um, start a research project um, to do, eventually, to form a maternal health educational program for these various communities, um, because education is is such a huge need there, right? Um, Just health education, um, and that can fix, you know, a lot of problems in in itself, so.
0: You
1: mentioned that the mortality rate for moms and babies is really high. Can you tell us any story that kind of sticks out in your mind of a tough case or, or situation that you've been in there?
2: Yeah, um, there are numerous <laughs> for sure that I've written about my newsletters, but um, yeah, I I think one of, um, one in particular that, you know, is a story that does not end well um, is, or maybe a story that's very exemplary of, um, of the difficulty of working cross-culturally is um, that, uh, you know just just learning to gain their trust and learning trying to understand them more um, is i had one patient that came in um with her husband and um she you know it's her first visit with me which is very common a lot of times they'll have one or, or no visits at all but they'll still come to the hospital um for delivery or, or they won't right um but um, but she came in and her baby was breached so like head not down right um and so Um, that's dangerous right because then the baby can die when their baby's being born um and she said that actually her first baby she didn't have any care at all and was baby came out breach and died in their house um and so that's actually a very common way that the of infant mortality there um just because um it is one of the only cultures in the world as well that does not have any um, like native midwife um it's like one of two cultures in the world um that they don't have, like, an innate system of midwifery within their culture, um, and so, um, there's no, no one to really help them when the baby is born, um, and, um, so often they'll die, um, but, um, yeah, so she came in, her baby was breech again, and so I, explained, you know, okay, you know, we we can send you to the city like through our ambulance transfer so that you can get a cesarean section so that your baby can live and everything can be okay. Um, but they, they actually declined uh, and went back home. You know, I strongly recommended that they, you know, go somewhere um, before the time came when she was in labor. Um, and they assured me that they would. Um, but then of course, you know, a few weeks later, um, we hear, um, from a nurse who's like out in one of these remote communities, um, that works at like a community health clinic. Well, it's like a, it's just the nurse out there. Um, but she was like, okay, I, I have I'm bringing in someone who's in labor, um, with and her baby's breech. And of course it was that patient, right? So, um. So, anyway, so then we were all preparing, you know, to to deliver a breech baby at our hospital or then to transfer to the city, which is an hour and a half away. Um, But um, when they arrived, the baby had already been born in the car and had died. Um, So, it's, yeah. I mean, to us who are, you know, trained, like, Western mind thinking, medicalized thinking, you know, like, why would you do this again to your child, right, when you know it's going to happen? But... It's just really you know, taking a humble stance and trying to understand you know, what, what, what they, you know, their worldview is so different than ours. Their understanding of things is so different than ours. And so just really um, trying to give them grace instead of being frustrated, right? Um, or something, something that could be so easily from my point of view.
1: Thanks for sharing that story, and like I said, if you guys are not on the newsletter, get on it, because all these stories and more are things that Caitlin's sharing in the mission field. It's it's really impactful, Um, and I know that... I wish we had more time to talk about all these other things, but I would love to know sort of how are you seeing the gospel in this area, because I know that that's something that that is dear to you, and that's something that's a part of your work there. How is that being played out, or have you seen that in your work? Yeah,
2: um, I, I... I think one of, the, one of the coolest examples of um, seeing the gospel played out is just through our mobile clinic that we do. Uh, it is, yeah, I just love, you know, we partner with, um, with mission, missionary pastors that go out to remote communities and have these really small village churches that they, that they work with. And um, so then we, and they go weekly, and then we as a mobile clinic will tag onto that. Um, once a month Um, and so just it's a really cool ministry to be able to care for them spiritually and physically like how Jesus did right and so um, yeah that's one of my favorite ways of seeing the gospel played out
1: how can we support you how can we pray for you what are things that we can be doing as a church to help
2: yeah um, I think as a as a overall like the hospital there um, just that you know we continue to you know have our um have like unity in our purpose and and um not just be um like the the you know it's a twofold mission right like we want to give them medical care but we also want to you know show them Jesus right and so um that we remain um convicted in that and explicit about our mission um and not just you know take the easy way and be like oh we're a hospital we got to care for these patients physically but like neglect the spiritual side of it as well um and then um I would say yeah for um for the Tarmara people that they um yeah that they just see Jesus in us and in our work um and that they're drawn to to that and that they're you know their hearts are open to it um and then I guess for me personally that I'm just continuing to be able to invest more and, and learn the language more, and, and Spanish is, is really what's mainly spoken. Um, and so, even just being able to get to a deeper level of Spanish, um, to be able to not just survive and function, but but actually like invest in relationships, you know, meaningful relationships. So, that's those would be my prayer requests. Thank you.
1: You guys heard that right? Most be praying <laughs> for Caitlin. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for being with us today. Appreciate it. Of course.
0: Thank you. <laughs> i to ask, Yuji, would you pray for Caitlyn before you all step down?
1: Okay, and then let's you can... pray real quick. If you guys want to outstretch your hands to Caitlyn, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this sister. Thank you so much for the calling that you have put on her life, for this passion and this gifting you have given her in medicine, but also for the gospel to go forth in hard places. My Father, right now we ask that you would meet all her physical, spiritual, emotional needs lord all the things that she shared but also that are unspoken as well would you please protect her and her family even her sister who's about to give labor any day now that you'd be with caitlin as she goes to support her and in indiana we thank you so much for this mission that she's a part of in the tara people we pray for them right now lord that your work there that the relationships are being built amongst the medical professionals but also the pastors lord that are going out weekly that there would just be bridges built, Lord. There would be connections made, that your Holy Spirit would dwell in that land, Lord, and that people would come to know you, that many moms and babies would be saved through this mental intervention, but also their souls too, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, for your gospel to go forth in Caitlin, that you would give her courage and bravery in everything that she does, every situation that she faces, Lord. Would you bring peace and provi- provision for her, Lord, of wisdom and discernment. We thank you so much for this time, and we lift this all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Let's give her a hand. Thank you so much, Kiki. So, uh, you know, it's, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm so glad that Caitlin was able to come and share her story with us. Was, to me, it was very important that she get that opportunity. Um, but if you're not aware of this, uh, Church of the Beloved, at Church of the Beloved, the money that you give to support this church Uh, From the tithe that our members are committed to giving regularly to the random donations that uh, come in the wooden box that's on the table outside, Aaron, uh, or online or via text. That money that we collect, this money, it is not intended for me or our staff alone. is not where it is. See, our giving is not just about paying the bills. The money you give allows us as a church to put our money where our mouth is. In other words, that money allows us to live out our values as a church. And so every year, I don't know if you, uh, for members, you have the opportunity to look at and approve a budget, a budget for how we will prioritize our church spending. And we do pay our bills. We absolutely include that. We do support the staff, but we also prioritize ministries like missions and support of missionaries, as part of that budget, because it's a value. It's a value we cling to, and that's why I wanted to include it today as part of our series of our beloved values. See, Church of the Beloved exists to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone, and how we live that truth out beyond the borders of Chicago, it is by prioritizing a portion of our money as a church to give in support Of the church's missionaries, supported missionaries And missionary organizations Caitlin Is our very first Covenant member at Church of the Beloved Who is sent out from the church As a supported missionary So that means As a church, the funds that you Give for the mission Of this church, 50% Of her monthly income Is covered by this church And Don't think that, I don't think she would turn away any extra support you might want to give her to get over the other 50%, so if you want to, go ahead. Um, But not only would she appreciate the financial support, I think what she would really appreciate is the prayer support. Because I know for a fact for missionaries that is such an encouragement to anyone who's serving far from home, to know that they're being covered by the prayers of their sending church. So after service, uh, outside by the welcome kiosk, you can get a chance to uh, sign up for emails or get a card. She's also got some stuff that she's brought back from the Taro Mara in Mexico if you're interested in uh, helping financially support her there too. So you can learn more about it and to sign up for those emails that Yuji was talking about, which uh, are, if you have kids at home, be sure you check the photos before you let your kids see them. Some of them are graphic. But let's, I want to get into today's message. I'm going to keep it short. The thing is, I want to give Caitlin the time to share. Because when I say value, missions of value, I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to see it in action. But today we're just going to focus on the two verses that were read today. Specifically verse 19 and the second half of verse 21. The second half of verse 21 says, As the Father has sent me, I also send you. See, last week I spoke about the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28. It's where Jesus told his disciples, which includes all of us here, Jesus told his disciples to go, to make disciples, right? And I'm going to say that again. He said, go. Or as it says in today's passage, as God the Father sent me, so I am sending you. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. This is not an optional command it's a command from our king it's an order so we're called to go and as jackie has taught me to say period (laughs) anyway so as we consider what it means that we as a church value and prioritize missions i think it's important for us to remember this right going is not optional where we're called to go is not going to be the same for everybody Because how each of us lives this out, how each of us goes and makes disciples, it is going to depend on what God has gifted each and every one of us individually to do. And I picked this passage today as a representative of this value to go, because I believe that this passage gives us a picture not only of God's command to go, but also of how God's going to support, how God does support and enable us to obey that command to go, to go and make disciples. And the first support that God gives us is seen in verse 19. It says this, when it was evening, on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. So the very first point is this. God understands that sometimes we're afraid. And sometimes we're just too afraid to obey. And and, and fear is an understandable response Because the disciples were afraid You have to consider At that very moment The disciples In this today's passage The disciples They had no idea What was going on Right They, They What What they did know is scared the crap out of them Their, Their teacher, their friend, their master Had just been killed in the most horrific way His body is now missing Mary was telling them that she just saw Jesus raised from the dead But how could that be possible? And the centurions, the centurions They have just been paid off The ones that were guarding the body of Jesus They had just been paid off To tell everyone that the disciples had stolen the body So they're a little freaked out. The disciples are scared. They're locking themselves in the room. They're afraid. They're afraid to face the truth of Christ that Christ was trying to share with them because they were afraid others might not believe them. And I was preparing for this, and I'll be honest with you. The thought that came to my mind was, it's a weird analogy, but hear me out. Sometimes I don't like to tell people how much of a sci-fi fan. I am Uh, My wife and I we love Star Trek and we love Star Wars that can live together and please note that She was and is a fan of both way before I came into the picture She did not become a fan because of me. She wears her nerdiness with pride. Give her that credit. I was not me Um, but I'm often afraid to share about my love for either because I'm afraid either I'm going to be judged for not knowing enough about Star Wars or maybe knowing too much. I know it's not a great analogy, but here I get it that sometimes it's scary to share about something that you love so dearly because you're not sure how people are gonna gonna react to you. And, and, And a bad reaction to something you love so much to be potentially canceled for something you love, it's a little scary, a little frightening. So when you try to share of your love and your passion for the Messiah who bled and died on the cross for our sake, to share such an important aspect of your life and, and, and potentially have that person that you're sharing with to look at you like you're from a different planet... To at best say, you know, you do you. And at worst, just turn their back on you. It's a little scary. But the first promise that we can cling to that we see in verse 19 is this. Jesus understands that you might be afraid. He understands your fear. The second promise that follows up is this. Nothing can stop Jesus from coming to us in our fear. Back to verse 19, it says, when it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked. The doors were locked. Yes, the disciples were also afraid and the doors were locked. They were unsure of what was going to happen, so they locked themselves in. And then Jesus showed up. Neither their fear nor locked doors could keep out the Savior." Emotional nor physical hurdles Neither could stop our Messiah Jesus shows up And Jesus not only promises to show up He promises to show up Where no one else can possibly go There's nowhere in the universe That Jesus cannot show up Wherever you are Whether it's in your darkest place Or in your happiest moment Nothing can stop Jesus from showing up. Being afraid is okay because Jesus can show up in that fear too. Jesus cannot be stopped. There's a third thing that Jesus promises in this passage so that we can go. It's this. Jesus not only understands that we are, might be afraid, Jesus not only comes to us in our fear, Jesus stands with us through it all. We'll go back to verse 19 again where it says, when it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them. So the Savior of the world understands our fear. Nothing can stop Jesus from coming to us in our fear and nothing, nothing will hinder him from standing with us through every single trial this is the savior that we can count on as we complete his command to go and make disciples and, and, and at the end of this at the end of the this reality the result is this it says jesus came stood among them and said to them peace be with you so before the power before the presence of christ comes peace that's first a peace that surpasses all human understanding a peace that will embolden a peace that will empower a peace that can only come from the messiah see the ability to go and do amazing things to make disciples it starts with this promised peace of Christ so our value of being missional it is only possible because We are promised peace. So what I want to do today is I want to end by being very practical for a moment. Okay? There's a pastor. uh, His name is Andy Stanley. He's in Georgia. His whole thing about missional living is that he understands that people must invest and then invite. That's his thing. The process of living missionally, it does not require us to stand on street corners to yell at the sinners of the world. I'm not saying that's not a valid way of sharing the gospel. My dad actually used to be a street preacher back at UCLA in the 70s. And there are stories to that one that I can share another time. But me, personally, not my jam. I'm not much of a yelling on the street corner kind of guy. I'm much more of a let me invest in your life and then invite you type of missionary. The call to invest in people that you're trying to reach, that's the first step. And I love that, as Caitlin mentioned, that's exactly what she's doing with the Taro O'Mara uh, in Mexico. And I'm so glad Caitlin shared that. Um, we also partner with another missions organization, it's called Hands at Work in Africa. This is exactly the model they live by for the vulnerable children that they care for as well. So I'll tell you, there's a story. Back in 2013, Suzette and I, we went to Zambia for the very first time. And when we were there, we met a young boy, and his name, Abraham. And of course, instantly, we became friends. Uh, Abraham spoke absolutely no English at all. I could not, I barely speak Bemba now as it is. But having the same name, that's all that mattered. Uh, We were bonded, this 10-year-old little boy. Every year, Suzette and I would go back um, to this little village. This one uh, is called Zimba in in Zambia, in the bush. And Abraham would come running to me. Initially, Abraham would come running to me. Eventually, Abraham would come running to me. He's tall. Um, I I learned that Abraham, he lost uh, his parents to AIDS. And one of the local care workers, his name is Kitson. Kitson had taken him into their home to love him and to share with him what he could. Kitson made the decision that he would invest in the life of Abraham. A few years ago, as a result of that investment by Kitson, Abraham accepted Christ as his savior. And this tiny little boy has become this amazing, really tall young man who is now investing in the lives of so many other young boys. The Church of the beloved wants to be a church of disciples making disciples. And sometimes that means investing in people near. Sometimes that means investing in people far. So this is a challenge I want to leave with this week. Church of the Beloved would like to send two short-term mission teams in 2024. One this is going to be hopefully a medical missions team that's going to be joining Caitlin On one of those, uh, and doing mobile clinic days. Mobile clinic, by the way, is just a truck with some medical supplies. (laughs) They're going to be going deep into the communities to work with local churches who are already investing in those communities. So, if you are a medical professional uh, or can translate, uh, and you are interested in being a part of this team, I want you to talk to me, talk to Caitlin today. All right? Today. Even if it's just a gut feeling, maybe an interest, whatever, do not leave this space. Do not leave this church until you have talked to me. Talk to Caitlin. Tell me that you are interested in going, going there. The second is going to be a short-term team that Suzette and I, we will be taking you to Zambia next year. So yes, we are leaving, but we're coming back. To take you to Africa. We're going to take you to Africa <laughs> to the community of Susu in 2020. Now, Church of the Beloved, if you don't know this, is also currently providing $500 a month to care for 20 children in the community of Susu. We want to take, you, take the time to show that our investment in that community is uh, for the, and the care workers and the vulnerable children It's not just a financial investment. I mean, we still, we still need the financial support there. And if you're willing, by the way, and able to give on a monthly basis, it's $25 a month, provides uh, food security, provides education, provides basic healthcare for one child, which is awesome. We would hope that we can support up to 50 children eventually. But, but you can start that today if you want to. Go to our website, cotb.life/serve, uh, and you'll see the option to uh, find out more information about our Africa ministry. Um, and the partnership we have with Hands at Work and the community of Susu. But, but what we really want to focus on right now is this. We want to find a team. A team of individuals who want to step outside their comfort zone. Because this would be a long step outside the comfort zone. To allow Jesus to come into your fear. And take, your, take the time to invest in the community that we're partnering with over there in Susu. If you are at all interested, talk to Suzette or to me, we're all going to be standing right outside. I'll tell you that my prayer is this, that we'll see at least two to four people for each of those teams committing to be a part of a team to go to Susu in Zambia, to the Tarahumara in Mexico, to show the world around us that we are not only making disciples here in Chicago, but we're making disciples wherever God is calling us to go as a church. That's my prayer. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB sermon podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.